Welcome, everybody, to our special edition midweek Advent podcast, where for the next four weeks, we are going to go deeper still with these themes. Uh, I'm Steve Keller. This is my lovely wife, Jane, and we're looking forward to sharing a few minutes with you. also have our church uh, plastic plant with us. His name is William. <laughs> He's here for emotional security for both of us. So um, look, we're glad you're with us. And what we're doing is pretty simple. Um, we wanted to reflect more deeply every week on the themes of Advent, really lean into Jesus Christ, This, this, what it means for us. I mean, you know, uh, so often there's only so much you can say in a sermon. You kind of... Uh, get going, but we want to go deeper still, which is also the title of this podcast. And the themes this year for Advent, instead of love, joy, hope, and peace, um, we're taking a different angle. Instead of talking about inner transformation, um, we're looking at all the ways that Christ has come to set us free. Well, not all of them, but uh, some of the ways, some, some profound, significant ways that He's come to set us free. So our themes are that Jesus has set us free to worship fully to spend less, challenge, uh, for us, to give more, and then to love all. So uh, we're, we're looking at that through the lens of the Christmas story, and uh, we got into the first one, Worship Fully, just a couple days ago on Sunday, and I think it was pretty good. But uh, th- there's more to talk about. So Jane and I are going to do that together, conversationally, just dig in a little bit. We have a few thoughts organized here and there. You may see me scroll down on the computer a couple times, but for the most part, we just really want to share from our hearts our observations, um, you know, some things that we've prayed about and are walking through with this. So, how's that sound? Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let me um, let me open up and just read uh, just a, a couple scriptures from last week's sermon. Luke chapter 2, 8 through about 10 and a half. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, or as many of your translations say, um, do not fear. So we're going to talk about um, fear a little bit, uh, just Kind of the nature of it, and you know what it what it does in our lives. So uh, we'll be focusing on nine and ten. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, "Fear not." So the first observation I have, um, we've kicked some of this around at home, is that um, you know it's not a request and it's not a suggestion. That it's actually a command. You know, do not fear, fear not. It's a command, and and we talked a little bit about how. Um, is definitely true on that night, but it's definitely true kind of from there forward, this whole issue of fear. So um, that first night, it was a declaration. So why don't we talk a little bit about um, just fear on the first night? Mm-hmm. I mean, one, <clears throat> one thing that struck me from your sermon 
was when you talked about the shepherds and just who they were in society. You know, that they were um, the lowest of the low. They were really on the bottom of the uh, rung of society. And yet God chose them to appear to, to announce the birth of the Messiah. And so just from their perspective of who they were, because uh, you, you even pointed this out in the sermon, they were excluded from even entering into the temple because they were considered unclean because they worked with the animals. Um, so for an angel to appear to them, that statement, fear not. I mean, how much more would that have? You know, just just thinking about their relationship with the religious of the day you know they would have really been looked down on Mm -hmm. so fear not you know just thinking about that i just um i don't know just thinking about that yeah well how would that have impacted them and their society at that time yeah i mean and you think about like that first night is this a situation where uh they should be afraid I mean, it's the middle of the night, and suddenly the lights go on. Um, they're the guys that everybody walks past. Nobody sees them. You know, I mean, you know from uh, ancient Near East history, they make minimum wage. Like you said, they can't enter the temple. You know, they are backdrops. You know, they're like the tree you pass on the way to work every day. You don't even see it after a while. <laughs> I mean, you know, they got to be like, oh, my gosh. First of all, we've never seen a spotlight before, and here's a spotlight here is an angel. Are we in trouble? It's the middle of the night. I mean, it's got to be, you know, and, and I don't even know that the fear is even logical or rational in the moment. It's just, they don't even have... They don't a, know what they're afraid yeah, of. <laughs> you know, what in the world is going on? They've got, you know, it says they're terrified. Uh, they're terrified, I think, on, on so many different levels. Right, yeah. You know. Yeah. A lot of reason to fear in the moment, for right, sure. yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they were excluded i mean what does it say this may be a little bit off topic of fear but what does it say about the character of god that um he went to those that were excluded first it's incredible yeah because you think about what's going on the angel isn't angrily saying knock it off don't fear i think you know it's it's a command that's like a declaration you know it's like the love of god is here you know, in the Old Testament, whenever an angel of the Lord appears, it's always synonymous with the presence of God is here. And it's like, perfect love is here. Mm-hmm. Fear is gone. You know, this light has swallowed up the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and though there are a bunch of nobodies, it's just like, I think they're getting hit with the love of God in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as much of a proclamation as it is a, a command. Which is just really, it's, I mean, it's just to me, it says so much about, well, just God's character and what you're saying, the reason that we're looking at these themes is because Jesus came to set us free to worship fully. Mm-hmm. And he came, God came to the shepherds who were not a, even a part, really, of the of the community of worship at that time. They yeah. couldn't be, but God came to them first um, to set them free to worship. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, to me, it's just incredible that he chose 
those that were excluded. Yeah. And they literally can't go to him and he comes to them. Right. And you know what's cool too is, you know, not only are they in the presence of God through the angel, but it's like they go from glory to glory. They go from an angel to the Savior of the world. I mean, they go from an angel of God to God himself in Jesus Christ. So, I mean, these guys are being, it's like they're just being bathed in love. You know, it's a, they start off with it with this um, encounter of love, right. <clears throat> like like very few people have ever experienced in seeing an angel and interacting with one to now they're in the presence of Jesus. I mean, yeah, I, their love's being just blown right out of them. And you it's know? the same thing with the wise I mean, their fear is right? being blown yeah, out. Yeah, their yeah. fear, and and the, it's the same thing with the wise men. That's next week's sermon. Be okay. careful. No, no. <laughs> That, you know, they were also on the outside of the Jewish community that... Um, yeah, they're pagan. Right. Pagans from the East, probably astrologers, you know, part of some kind of an ancient... But they're pure Gentiles. Right. And they're one of the very first two. Right. So outsiders and Gentiles enter the story before the Jews really have any idea of what's going on. That's crazy. Wow. So... This is this is about the annihilation of fear. Then, you know what else strikes me about the about the shepherds too, is that, you know, in the moment it's do not fear. You know, so it's like a command in the moment. The presence of God is here. Perfect love has blown out their fear, but then life goes back to normal. You know, they leave the presence of Jesus, and and I sort of hear it differently now. Do not fear, because um, it's easy not to fear in the first moment. But it really becomes a decision after that, you know. Don't fear. Don't go back to it. Mm-hmm. Don't don't live in it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, uh, go a different right, way. Right. And they do. You know, they go away rejoicing. They're telling everybody what they right, saw. Right, yeah. Right, but they go back to their life as shepherds. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. God doesn't. I mean, we don't. I guess we don't really know <laughs> what happened to them after this night. But, you know. Most likely they had to return to their job. I mean, they had to yeah. make a living, provide for their families. <clears throat> so they went back to being a shepherd. So they had to live out that do not fear um, yeah, the rest and, and, of their lives. Yeah, what's really funny is there are stories about the shepherds later on. And there's like there's stories about the wise men. Like I know in one account they named the wise men. You know, their names were whatever, whatever, whatever. And later on, they were baptized by Thomas. And But there are stories like that yeah. in ancient in uh, ancient Near East uh, history. Uh, it's as much fiction as anything. You, know, you have no idea whether it's true or not. Could be. The point you made is, th- is right. They go back to their lives. That's mm-hmm. the point. Yeah. Hopefully very different. Uh, yeah. So how does fear keep us from worshiping fully? If that is... You know, is that the biggest hindrance to worship, fear? Well, now you're getting personal. But yeah, and, and that's the point of the podcast is ne- is really to begin to ask deeper questions, you know, like uh, what about fear and worship? You know, what about fear in our lives? But so, so the, your first question, what do you think? Fear and worship. Does fear get Does in the way? Does fear prevent us from fully worshiping fully, right? Because that's the theme, worship fully. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I think it does for sure, right? Yeah. And if we're talking about worship, we're not just talking about Sunday morning, right? Uh, going into to church, wherever, and entering into 
you know, singing and, and, and praising like that hour and a half or two hours if you can mm-hmm. go to KPC. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just uh, that that is our worship. I mean, we're talking about worshiping fully has to encompass our entire life. The rest of the week, yeah. Everything, yeah. who we are, how we interact and relate to God, how we live our lives, you know, that is worship. Yeah, so when it comes to worship, does fear get in the way? We say yes. Um, you know, the the opposite of fear is love. I think it's a good definition for, for worship. You know, um, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Love your neighbors yourself. Especially loving God with all that you are. You can think of Sunday morning. Just mm-hmm. That's a starting point. You know, we're here to worship, just to love Him fully. That's really what worship is. You're receiving the love of God. You're reflecting on the love of God through song and prayer and everything else. Um, You're giving it back through proclamation. For me, fear destroys my worship. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm afraid of what the person next to me might be thinking if, you know, I raised my hands or I got a little too loud or I got you know, stirred up and scream, yes, Lord, you know, the fear gets in the way of that. Yeah. You know, when I worry, because I think about things I worry about, you know, i got to pay bills, we've got a big thing coming up this week, totally distracts me and pulls me away. Yeah. So fear kills my worship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It also kills <clears throat> our life of worship, you know, if we are, like you're saying, um, worried or... Um, anxious about the future, regret over the past, which is just to me another form of fear because you're just fearful that you made wrong choices or wrong decisions or, you know, you, so so we, we live with regret, we live with fear of the future, we live with anxiety, we live with all of these things that block us from fully worshiping mm-hmm. God, fully being who He created us to be, <clears throat> which is, to me, worship. Love yeah. the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. The, I mean, then the only way to do that, then, is to experience His love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it gets in the way. There's no question. I, uh, a friend of mine yesterday told me that they were driving uh driving around Virginia Beach like they always do, and their mind was on something else. So they're completely caught up in major something major in their life. Um, you know, maybe it was even the grocery store and making sure you don't forget anything, but something was going on mentally. And they pulled right in front of another car, head-on collision, totally destroyed their car. And you just think that person is driving their car with their eyes open, you know, their their ears open, their you know, their line of sight, everything they see everything, but they are compl- they're so distracted they pull out in front of everybody. Yeah. And I think that's what fear does to us when it comes to worship. Like I know when I'm feeling anxious or I've got a ton on my mind or I'm afraid of something and it's active, I don't see a person in need across the room. Right. Um I don't see the pain in somebody's life. I don't see needs. I'm certainly not aware of God's voice. It's like, it just has this way of shutting everything out. 
and I, I would say worship can't happen where fear is present. You know, it's yeah. it really is the opposite. Yeah. You know, and you brought this up, and we said we wouldn't talk about it. So let me let me go ahead and talk about this now. <laughs> we said we wouldn't talk. <laughs> yeah, about we it. said we wouldn't talk We're about shaking this. Shaking the tables out. But I think too, it probably is. Um, but the other, you know, an, another fear has a companion, and it's anger. Fear and anger run together. I mean, if they're best friends, emo- if they're best emotional friends, those are two of them. And I look around right now at um, the political climate, mm-hmm. and you just hear all this anger. You know, and I know it's always been there a little bit, but there's so much anger, you know, about who is in office, who isn't in office, you know, who's the opponent. So, and that's all tied to fear. You know, mm-hmm. I'm afraid the country's going to go down the tubes. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid we're going to lose what we have. I'm afraid we're going to be invaded. You know, mm-hmm. I'm afraid these rights are going to be taken away. And it's just incredible how fear partners up with, with other emotions. And you just, you know, you're just robbed. Yeah. We get robbed of the goodness of God and the love of God. And Jesus is right here in the manger of my life every day. There's new mercies. And I'm blind to all of it. Yeah. I mean, fear is a thief. Right, because if we're feeling fearful, we have to do something with that fear. You know, we can't, I mean, as someone who has struggled with anxiety, you know, you can't, if you just live with that and and it just kind of festers, um, then you either shut down completely or, like you said, you it manifests in, in anger yeah. or... Um, physical symptoms or, you know, or other negative emotions. It has to. That fear ha- is going to come yeah. out in some way. It's not, You're not just. It's not just going right. to be in you and just hang out there and everything's okay. Mm-hmm. It's got to come out somehow. And so, yeah, I mean, we see our society today and not not just Christians, but, you know, we 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 manifest that fear in a lot of ways, you know, self-medicating or stocking up on guns or, um, you know, I don't know, just doing everything you can to protect what you have, you know, keeping America safe. And I know it's a complex issue, but a a lot of that is rooted in fear. A lot of it is. So fear shows up. In thoughts in our thought life, there's one pl- one place it shows up. You know, stop and just do an inventory of the things that you think about. Um, there's a lot of fear in our thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's societal or personal or relational, spiritual. There's a lot of fear. You know, I heard someone say, I can't remember who it was, but. Um, that after 9-11, you know, we as a, as a Americans, as our, our country, we just sort of have a collective mm-hmm. um, mindset now of fear um, that it really changed us. It changed our, our yeah. national thought, you know, the way we think, um, how we approach life and the world. Yeah. And, um and it's just it's interesting that we have the answer to that. We have the antidote to fear as believers. And um, what are we doing with it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So thought life and then speech, because I think those two run together. 
Um, I know one thing that fuels fear are conversations we have. Um, you know, it's it's what we feed our minds. You know, what do we watch? What do we read? Um, what do we talk about with other people? What are the things we say? And I, I'm not arguing for some legalistic, you know, never say a negative word, but I think we've got to be aware of what's running through our heads and what's coming out of our mouth because it is feeding yeah. this whole culture of fear. And and, yeah. um, um, and then, you know, the other one is obviously actions. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a lot of things. Yeah. You know, fear manifests itself, like you said. So what are we afraid of? We have a few notes here. Uh, what are the things? What are the things that people are afraid of? Not us, but other people. What are, they, what are, what are people afraid? <laughs> I'm of? not afraid of anything. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think as a woman, uh, a lot of women are a lot, and not all, obviously. But you know, I think we're afraid of, uh, you know, if we. Our, our stay-at-home moms were afraid that we're not contributing enough to our family or society. If we are working moms, we're afraid that we're, you know, screwing up our family. If you know, but just if we're a mom, period, we have, we're afraid that every decision we ever make is is somehow going to scar, you know, our kids. Or, you know, if you're a woman and, and you're um, I don't know. I mean, I think women just live in fear a lot. You know, we're afraid of just being in the world um, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. And we could go down a whole nother trail here, which I, I feel like we probably shouldn't. But, you know, so much of, um, so much is of, but I think probably at the heart of it for women is, is, is the fear that we're not good enough Mm. somehow we don't measure up that's probably the root of it a lot of fear for women is that somehow we just don't measure up yeah we're not worthy whatever choices we're making somewhere in our circle someone's going to be hurt and wounded and we can't you know we can't control that so that's the perspective of a woman. What huh, and I think of, of other things for women, too, as I'm not one. You know, like uh, the image that gets cast in society of what a beautiful woman is, you know. Right. And so it's, well, I'll never look like the woman on the treadmill. You know, Miss Perfect over there at Planet Fitness or like the woman on TV. Or I was listening to, a, uh, I was watching an NFL game last night, and they were talking about a, a player who had assaulted a woman. And... Um, you know, this big, huge, hulking NFL player harms this woman. And so it's to say that that's a very real fear, you know, of being hurt, being injured. Yeah. You know, it's not like all of our fears are just these baseless, ridiculous things yeah, that will never happen. Right. You know, we are getting older. You know, we don't sometimes feel like we measure up scripturally. You know, right. um, there are people that can hurt us. I think for men, you know, it's I won't be able to provide enough. Um, you know, I'm not being the kind of husband I should be. We... You know, the, the fears may be different, but it's still that same um, human, you know, just condition of a lost dark world, like shepherds are in a dark world. Yeah. Of There there right. are things to fear, right. some imagined, some very real. Yeah. Um, but fear, you know, people fear dying and living, mm. um, what might happen, what might people do, 
How's this going to turn out? Will I have enough? Mm-hmm. We fear for our children, like you said. You know, we fear in relation to work with my boss, my kid, just all this stuff. So mm-hmm. all that to say is fear is very present. Um, so our theme is to worship fully, and we've already mm-hmm. said, yes, fear gets in the way of worship. Um, you know, it kills worship. Fear darkens our minds. Um, fear, I think, too, in worship keeps us to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, from the heart and the arms of God who loves mm-hmm. us, and a, you know this family that we're surrounded by. So, um, the question earlier: Can we fully worship if we're full of fear? No, no. And that night, that first night was a night of worship. Jesus yeah. is here. Right. So it's fear not, but it's. I, I just love that there's an exchange. You know. It's like when God says, be holy in Scripture, you know, be holy as I'm holy. He's not saying, I think Graham Cook says this, you know, but God, he's not saying, be holy, figure it out somehow. But he's saying, be holy, here's holiness. Yeah. It's that same night, you know, fear not, here's, here's perfect love. You know, it's just, <laughs> I think good. it's beautiful. That's yeah. really good. It's really beautiful. So that's the antidote to fear and the antidote to fully entering into worship is love. Yeah. Experiencing the love. So how do we do that? How do we experience and know love? Like okay. know it the way the shepherds knew it that night. I mean, they beheld love. I mean, they got to go to the manger and and hold Jesus. You know, I mean, in my mind, that's what I envision. Like the shepherds are there. They didn't just, I mean, I think they they, they interacted with Mary and Joseph I think they interacted with Jesus. Picked him up. They got to literally hold love. Wow, that's too cool. That's your, you know, and, and isn't and it? It had to have changed them. I mean, it had to have yeah. for the rest of their lives. So, so how do we do that? Yeah, yeah. Because, and again, that's the heart of the greatest commandment. Jesus, who is love, calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our neighbors ourselves. And that's that's where you know you identified kind of the, the two worship services of our life. One is on Sunday morning when the family of God gathers together and we formally worship, we hear the word, we pray. And, um, you know, that that most directly, I think, is loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In that moment when we are together, I have one job besides preaching. <laughs> Yeah, because I have two jobs, actually. But no, we, we have one job as God's children, and that's just to completely love Him. Mm-hmm. Receive, bounce back that love, soak it up like a sponge, love God with everything we are. You know, turn our eyes on Jesus, turn my thoughts on Jesus, and then I think just respond accordingly, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've turned my mind I've turned my eyes, I've turned my thoughts on Jesus, and then just let my body follow. You know, whether my hands go up, whether I'm lost in silent wonder. And I think that's what we got to do. And that's why it's so sick in the church when people come in, and I've done this before, you know, and you're judging how's the worship team doing? You know, how's the sermon today? Who's around me? It has, this has nothing to do with that. I mean, this is our beholding. Our beholding moment, you know, our love moment. But how, you know, again, to quote Graham Cook, um, <coughs> we love God. The only way we can do that, we love Him with the love 
that we receive from him. We can't, because I think it's for me personally, I, you know, I go in <coughs> worship on Sunday morning um, and I am distracted a lot or I'm, you know, afraid or I'm worried or whatever, you know, just the, all the baggage of stuff that we bring with us. And, um, and so I try to, you know, okay. Work it up. Get quiet and just focus, focus, focus. Think, you know, but if, if we actually, I mean, it's actually, I mean, God came to the shepherds and get, like you just said, here's holiness, be holy. Here is um, love, don't be afraid. So if we can just receive that, like just receive that love and then just give it back to him. That's worship. That's fully worshiping and that's what we should be able hopefully one day (laughs) to do every day day in and day out of our lives so i'm just thinking the antidote then to fear is love how do we get to that place yeah worship yeah i mean we have to actually enter into worship when we're afraid when we're anxious, when we're worried, when we're distracted, we enter into worship, and that worship of God then kills fear, ignites love, and we're fully worshiping. Yeah. So it's it's really it's 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 the irony of you know the antidote is to actually worship to be able yeah. then to fully <clears throat> worship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Instead of working it up, I have to feel perfect, getting neurotic about that. I heard somebody say this yesterday. I thought it was really cool. They were talking about healing in Scripture. And they were, they were uh, I forget the passage they were even, even reading, um, but they are talking about healing. And they said, you know, it wasn't like any of these people who got healed got themselves together and then they got touched and healed. Jesus touched them and then they were whole. And I think mm-hmm. that's the point is, you know, I go into worship. The love of God is present. The love of God is here. And whether it's simple little things like, okay, my head is caught up in 900 things I have to do next week. Why don't I be like the Old Testament worshipers and just remember what God has done? You know, just start going through the inventory. What has God done the last week in my life? Man, he settled me down here. He provided here. Beginning to thank him for that. You know, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. God, thank you for my wife sitting next to me. Lord, thank you for how you're how you're you're breaking through my children's life, you know, and all of that is kind of like act, is reaching out and grabbing the love right, of God, you know. Right. Those are, it's just practical ways that we just embrace what's right, here right. instead of well, I have to be perfect and that whole dead horse of you know religion and you know it, it really is relational and accessible. So I think the takeaway for me is. To fully worship, um, to be able to fully worship, worship fully my in my life, and to not live in fear. For that to happen, I just um, I need to be worshiping it's kind of like working out you know if you you just you don't really um you know 
my brother Frank says, you know, you don't, when you get up in the morning, you don't ask yourself, do you feel like working out today? You just go, you just do it. You just mm-hmm. feel like you're a robot and you just go. And I think maybe some of that could be applied here to worship, to like when I am feeling afraid and anxious, that then I just automatically start worshiping, just worship and allow the love of God to just fill me. I think that's my takeaway from this. Yeah. If I'm not going to live in fear... A very practical thing to do is to worship. Yeah, <laughs> and and freedom is gigantic in worship too, and it's that's also I think where the danger of worship worship gets very dangerous for our egos and our um, dignity and our prestige because worship is all about freedom. It's not about a rut, and it doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you worship you know that are normal to you. But I know, I know. For me, God is always calling me further in, some, in some way that's uncomfortable. Right. Like if I'm not a dancer, <laughs> the Lord will be. You know, I'll get hit with the joy, and I have to dance. You know, yeah. or to be more vocal, or to raise my hands, or. And I think so often in church, you know, we are the sheep of His hand. Uh, you know, the sheep of His pasture. A lot of times, we get very sheepish in worship. You know, very guarded, very careful, kind of looking what the rest of the flock is doing, and you know. And worship is in some sense, in some sense, it's a team sport. We all do it, but it's also very much a solo sport where God is reaching out to my heart and He's pulling me forward. And He's, you know, it, it, it's it's about just getting free yeah. and loving God. That's what I love about the Helzer so much. You know, Jonathan and Melissa. Yeah. There's a recklessness to their worship. Yeah. This is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I mean, it's abandon, it's yeah. surrender, it's, oh my gosh, can you believe how Melissa's dancing on stage or, you know, how Jonathan's just bellowing out. But it, it's really, and it, it's like a call to everybody else. Yeah. You know, that's, I don't know, I, I want to be free like that, freer. I want to worship fully. Yeah. And we were made for it. Okay, so there, there, there's that, but I think too there's also there's the rest of the week too, right? You know, worshiping fully for the rest of the week, and I think that's where I know for me the decision comes in, right? You know, fear not, it becomes a decision. Right. Love fully, it's a decision, and um, you know, so for the rest of the week, um, you know, what am I going to think about? Am I going to be aware? Become aware of my thought life my internal reactions, you know, the words I speak. I think we have a decision, very personal decisions to make about worshiping fully for the rest of the week. You know, how how am I going to, how do I love my wife fully? How do I love my children in this moment? You know, how do I worship right now with that guy who just drove straight across my lane and about to worship, if it's all day, every day, and it's about fullness and freedom, there's a whole lot of time left over to either worship or not worship. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see what else we got here. We don't have too much more. Um, what would a day of, of uh, God's love look like? What would a day of full worship look like? I think, you know, I, I, I think I kind of answered that question already, actually. Just... You know, that any moment that I am feeling fearful um, or anxious, I just turn Mm -hmm. and worship 
him and in doing that just it feels very like a very small act a very small step a very small thing but it's (coughs) actually i think really huge because when we take our fears and we turn them into worship or we just take that energy that fear builds in us because it does there's an energy that comes with being afraid Mm -hmm. and we take that that energy and we turn it towards the lord and worship then we're going to meet his love we're going to and perfect love cast out fear so to me it's and i think doing that you know making that a practice and i don't think it has to be like you know, we can be in our car and, and be feeling fearful and just begin to praise the Lord, just pour out, you know, praise on Him. You know, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to be singing. You know what I'm saying? Like, worship is not just singing, obviously. <laughs> Putting on a choir so, robe and right, traveling around. Right, just, yeah. just uh, pouring out our praise on Him, praying. Then um, that practice, which I think it does begin with practicing that practice, then we'll turn in, I think, you know, turn into a lifestyle of yeah. being able to do that. You remind me of, of a guy named Joe Knox, <clears throat> you know, Joe Knox, but he was, uh, he was kind of a grumpy dude, you know, real in control for most of his life. And um, there's a circumstance in his life he got saved. He was a completely different person. It's completely different for the rest of his life which didn't end up being very long after that. But I remember talking to him once, and I said, Genox, what in the world has happened to you? Um, and I knew he had been saved, so we didn't have to start there. But he said, you know, I just, I just started thanking God for all the things he had done in my life, and it became a habit. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, you yeah. know, you're talking about a discipline, a habit. And, and uh, you know, I know for me, the way I answer that question is, um, you know, what is a life of worship? or a life of love look like. And I think it's just as simple as the day begins with God mm-hmm. and it's real and it's leaning into to his heart and his love and then just leaving that place and just continuing on with Jesus. You know, just carry that love forward. And I know where it gets tricky um, for me is is it is remembering to ask myself the question, how can I carry the love of God today into work, mm-hmm. into conflict, um, you know, into the drive on the way to work. I just, I just think about that. You know, ca- how do I carry the love forward? How do I stay in it? You know, how do what would love think? What would love say? What would love do right now? Mm-hmm. You know, just letting life be a worship service instead of worship lasting ninety minutes on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. So what else do we have here? Okay. All right. So um, we we can end with this quote, which I think is really cool. George Adair said, "Everything you want is on the other side of fear." Mm. I think it's fantastic, Um, and and in Christ, that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Everything we're looking for is on the other side of fear. So this command, "Fear not," um, is gigantic. And if you notice, it happens all the time in Scripture. Every time God shows up, mm-hmm. that command is with it. Mm-hmm. Look throughout the Old Testament. Whenever there was a theophany, a God appearance, those are the first words that are spoken 
either fear not, do not be afraid. There's some version of it. And I just, if nothing else, I pray we hold on to that. Just, um, you know, God is here. You know, Emmanuel, God is with us. The love of God, we can swim in it all day long. We don't have to live a life of fear. Um, So God help us with that, you know. Help us with that, God. Just make us aware of the love of God. Um, help us swim in those waters by choice. I pray that our feelings will lean in that direction um, in every relationship. Every relationship. Um, man, we'll just worship fully. So, anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, folks, have a great day. Have a great week. <laughs> See you soon. Most of you. God bless. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You should just like fade out like while Steve's talking. Yeah. Just fade out. And we need a theme song. And then we don't have to have that awkward closing. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today for our midweek Advent podcast. For more information, go to kpc.org and also check out the Advent Conspiracy website, adventconspiracy.org.